All right, cool. Well, here's some jokes. You ready? I'm going to try. I'm not past the curtain. All right, got it? Um, okay, here's a worship leader's joke, kind of, because, you know, I'm the worship pastor here. Um, I once wrote a song about a tortilla, but it's really more of a rap. You don't want to hear me rap. No, 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 no. <laughs> Maybe one day, yeah. Um, here's an Australian joke. What did the Australian magician say to the fisherman? He said, pick a cod, any cod. Cod. Get it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, that was a bit of a reach. Okay. Um, a wife says to her husband, wow, honey, I never thought our son would go so far. He says, yeah, that, this catapult is amazing. Go get the other kids. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's not good parenting. Don't do that. Don't, I'm not telling you to do that from the pulpit. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's the last one. What happens when you let a worship pastor preach? I don't know. We're about to find out. We're about to find out, guys. So we've been in the Dream to Destiny series. Um, we've been talking about in this series that every person on the earth, every person in this room, has a destiny that God wants you to step into. Um, and the only thing, or one thing that will stop us from stepping into that destiny is our character. And so God has tests. And, he, and we're talking about Joseph's tests that he went through that he had to pass to build his character so he could step into the things that God called him to do, step into that destiny. So let's just recap Joseph's story real quick. If you want to throw up that um, image there. This is one I found that's super helpful. It's just his story um, through the time from when he was born. Everyone say Joseph was born. And then his father had this favor for him, and he gave him this cloak. You guys know about the coat, the dream colors, whatever it is, the colored coat that he gave him. And his brothers were jealous of that favor. And then Joseph, in the middle of all that, had these dreams, and he shared them with his brothers, it was about him like lording or ruling over his brothers and his family. And his brothers are like, what? <laughs> we don't like this at all. And so they decided they were going to get rid of him. And that's the last picture on the top there. And um, they're like, let's get rid of him permanently. They threw him in this pit. And then they had this idea that they would sell him instead of just leave him to die. So they're like, let's sell him to this, these slave traders. So then he was sold into slavery and then he was bought by this man, Potiphar. Potiphar was the, and that's where we're going to talk today, about when he was in Potiphar's house. And I'm pretty sure that's how you say it in Australia, Potiphar. Okay, so just, if you want to say it a different way, that's fine. Um, but we're going to be talking mostly about when he was at Potiphar's house. Um, yeah. Joseph had already passed some tests. Um, and we already covered some tests already in this series. We've covered the pride test. The pit test, the prophetic test, the palace test, uh, and now I'm going to talk about the purity test. The purity test. So this story starts in Genesis 39. Okay, so Joseph is at Potiphar's house. Potiphar is the, he's the captain of the guard for the pharaoh of Egypt. Everyone say, he's a big deal. Yeah, he's a really important person. Um, that's where the story starts. He's living, he's working there as a slave. He's one of uh, Potiphar's people. So Genesis 39, verse 6. It says, Thus he left all 
that he, this is Potiphar, he, Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. That's pretty amazing. This guy is an important person, and he's given Joseph all rule over everything that he owns, everything that he has. And it says that he didn't even know what he had because he left it in Joseph's care. And so all he knew was that he had was the bread that he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and, and appearance. Ooh. And in verse 7, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast longing eyes on Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. Uh-oh. Verse 8. She's married. That's not good. Verse 8. Be, but he refused and said to his master's wife, Look. My master does not know what is with me in the house, and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Now Joseph passed the purity test we'll read about in just a moment. He didn't make the wrong decision there, but I don't know if he passed the wisdom test. If, if a if your boss's wife is trying to say, I want you to sleep with me, then you don't start a conversation with her. You just run away. <laughs> you just run to the hills as far as you can go. So maybe he wasn't so wise, and we're going to see in a moment that there was a little bit more of some unwise decisions that he made. In verse 10, it says, So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day. She was asking day by day. And he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. In verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men were in the house that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Finally, Joseph did the right thing. Finally, Joseph fled. Now let me give you a little hint on how to stay faithful to your spouse. Don't do what he did. <laughs> Don't go into um, the house of your boss. <laughs> when she's been asking to sleep with you and say, um, and go in when there's nobody around and go in just wearing a skirt. You know what I'm saying? Don't. Back in Egypt in those days, they didn't wear a whole lot. Now, I, I came to America in, two, in 99 and we lived in the mountains. And up in the mountains, those mountain people, they know the art of layers. You guys know about layer? You go, you Colorado people. So they're like, you have a t-shirt, you've got a, like a sweatshirt, you got like maybe like a heavier sweatshirt, you've got a jacket, and then you've got like a rain jacket just in case, and then you've got another heavy jacket just in case it gets real cold, and then you've got like this hat that you can wear, and you might have like something like a scarf, and then you've got gloves just in case it gets cold, and this is how you do layers, and then you're ready to go out and get milk. You know what I'm saying? That's... That's how they do it in the mountains. Well, this is not how they did it in Egypt, people. In Egypt, it was hot. It was the desert. It was hot stuff. Hot, hot, hot. And they would, they would wear these, most of the men, um, especially slaves, would wear skirts and only skirts. Some of them would have undergarments. Um, but, but he wasn't wearing a whole lot. <laughs> he went into this house knowing that it was dangerous, right? He didn't go in with anyone else. He was the captain of all these people. He was in charge of all these people. He could have said, hey, one of these guys, come with me into this house. This lady's crazy. <laughs> he could have said, come with me into the house. But he didn't do that. He went in. Don't do that. Got it? Don't start, don't start the conversation. Just run away. Now, he couldn't run away. He was a slave. Nobody else is like that in here. You can run away. Okay. Awesome. 
Amen. So, yeah, in the NIV it says he was wearing a cloak and she took his cloak. And most theologians and scholars think that that maybe is a little generous, that it was a cloak over the top of clothes and things. So, anyway, it was not good. Um, and then we know the next part of the story is that she told her husband, Potiphar, she had the proof, and he ended up throwing Joseph into jail. That is the next, that's next week's message, okay? The prison. We're talking about purity. I think purity is a really big deal to God. What do you think? Yeah. Um, yeah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. So the Bible makes this distinction between these two types of sins. It's a big deal to God. Hebrews 13, 4 says, Marriage should be honored by all. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed be kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Now, this is a little bit of a PG-13 message today, guys. Um, I'm trying to keep it, you know, (laughs) PG-13. I will do my best. Um, It's really important to God, and it's really important that we can pass these purity tests um, if we're going to fulfill the destiny that God has for us. Um, When I was a young man, I was not good at this. I was not um, pure, as God would have me be pure. I kind of grew up in a Christian house, uh, Christian home, (laughs) and I knew about God, and I knew that, like, Jesus died, and, like, I I was, like, kind of following God, but... You guys know what I mean. Like, I wasn't, like, following God. I didn't give up my life for Him. And I wasn't doing very well in the area of purity. And when I was about 20 or so, I went to a YWAM discipleship school. Um, And a few of you have done that in here. We've actually got some out doing that right now. Yeah? Some of these youth have gone out to do that. Um, During this intensive discipleship season, I realized that I had a problem with lust. It was a part of my life that was not being governed by self-control. And during this time of people speaking about, like, giving your life up to the Lord and laying your life down for Jesus, and Jesus died so that you could be free, I started to get a revelation that I had a problem and that I needed to be free. And I started to get free. It was like this journey that I went on, that I started on. And God had me around, like, all these people that were speaking in my life and challenging me. And I was, like, reading my Bible, and I was going after him, and I was getting free. Um, and I actually did get a lot of free freedom, and I got a lot of breakthrough in that season. And then I'm, I met this girl, <laughs> and I was like, we're going to get married. And she was like, we're going to get married. So we agreed on that. And um, she's from America. Everyone say, America. <laughs> yeah. And... And uh, God had told me when we were going to get married, he spoke to me about coming to America to, uh, for her dad to give her away in his homeland. And so we didn't get married in Australia. We came to America. And when I came to America, a few things happened. Um, I left everything I had known. I actually watched this movie on the plane that was about a son meeting his in-laws for the first time. And I was crying. <laughs> I was leaving everything behind. I literally was crying like half of the plane ride. I had no family in Colorado. I had no friends. I didn't know anybody. 
I didn't have a church family. Um, I didn't even have any money. I was a missionary at that time, and my money had run out. And that's not a good way to start a marriage. You gotta, it's helpful if you have some money. Um, I had no job. I, I, didn't, I couldn't even get a job when I got here because we didn't even do the process properly, and we had to redo it all. And So I didn't even have a job, and I didn't even speak the language. That was a joke. Thank you for laughing. <clears throat> it was just Harmony and I. That's all it was, and it shook me. It really brought me to this place of being really insecure. Um, and another thing happened that um, nobody ever told me that when you get married, you can't just be with your wife whenever you want, you know? Nobody ever told me that. I wish somebody told me that. Tell the tell people when they get married <laughs> that's not how it works, all right? Um, and I actually believe the lie that when I got married that I wouldn't struggle with lust anymore. I like, for some reason, I believe that. But that's a lie. I was a young person, too. I was 22 at this point or something like that. 22, 23. 24, 22, okay. I was young, I was immature, and I didn't know a lot of stuff. Um, and it was basically like this perfect storm. It was a perfect storm of insecurity. And I started to go back to the old patterns after we were married. And I started to struggle again with those things and look at things that I shouldn't look at and do things that I shouldn't do. And I started to let my eyes glance a little too long at like, magazines and I started to look at things on the internet and um, it was just like this downhill spiral Um, and every time I went to that place I didn't realize but I was stealing intimacy I was stealing affection that was supposed to be for my wife it was supposed to be for God I was stealing from that affection I was stealing from that intimacy and I I was bringing curses on myself and my family instead of blessings and at the same time, I was keeping it all a secret. And I think that's one of the reasons why God, God wants us to be pure. He doesn't want us to be in this stuff. Because we have to be deceptive. And he doesn't want us to be living like that. So I was keeping it all secret. And I would not tell anyone. And I, it was killing me. Um, and it got really bad. We began to argue. And our relationship was falling apart. Our marriage was not good um, and for months and months it just kind of eroded away a relationship just a relationship just kind of started to erode and one night it came to this point where we were arguing and I just I'd had enough and I was so angry um, we were both angry and I got in my car and I just started driving and I said I'm going back to Australia and I just took off I know no one in here has ever having, had an argument I know it's, it's strange to hear about this. So I got in the car and I drove and I was like, I'm going back to Australia. I don't even know what I was thinking. Like I didn't have any money for a plane ticket even. And I didn't have my passport with me. I don't know how I was going to get to Australia, but that was what I was doing. I was out of there and I was not coming back. And um, I got almost to Colorado Springs. We lived up in the mountains and I got almost down to Colorado Springs and um, I had to go to the bathroom. Sometimes God... He works in mysterious ways. He'll use a donkey. He'll use a bathroom break. Whatever he can do. But I stop the car and I get out of the car and I look up and I see the stars. It's night. It's like, I don't know what time, like midnight or something. And I just look up and I just burst into tears. I couldn't handle it anymore. And I just, 
I remember, I don't know what exactly I said, but it was like, what, what do I do now? I don't know what to do. Just crying out to God. And immediately he met me. Immediately he spoke to me. And I don't think it was audible, but I do think it was like him speaking deep into my soul. And he said to me, he said, if you go back right now and tell Harmony everything you've been doing, I will be faithful to restore your marriage. He spoke that to my heart. And I was like, like in a, in a time where I had no hope. He spoke this one thing into my life and gave me hope again. So I didn't ask him again. I knew what he had said and I knew what I had to do. And so I drove immediately back up the mountain. God turned me around. And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning by then and Harmony was still up. And I went in and I told her um, that God had stopped me and I needed to confess some things to her. So I took the time to share about what I was doing and what I was living in. And man, it was painful. Um, lots of tears and lots of pain and questions. And we talked for a long time. And finally, I think I got this revelation that I had a problem. It was a serious problem. I had an addiction and I needed help. So the next day we went to the pasta where we were in the mountains and just told him the whole story and he was gracious with us and started to help us. And I signed up for counseling and we started on this journey of restoration, the restoration that God had promised that night as I was looking up at the stars. Um, it hasn't been an easy journey. <laughs> but... I can tell you now that I'm walking in a level of self-control that I never have thought I never would have thought was possible. And God did keep his promise and he did restore our marriage. Um that promise he told me, he restored our marriage and now we've been married 22 years. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's been a journey. He gave me a second chance. Um this is what he does. He gives us second chances. You don't pass the test. He gives you another chance to do it again. Uh, it doesn't come without pain, though. Um, so how do we get pure and how do we stay pure? Uh, firstly, I think it's really good um, to talk, to ask the question, like, um, like we don't live our lives pure before the Lord for him to love us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't do that to get his love. He already loves us. And and the other question is, why would we aim to live pure lives if we're covered by the blood of Jesus, you know? And I would say to that, um, that we don't, we don't keep his commandments for him to love us because he already loves us. Um, I would say that we, it's because we love God that we keep his commandments. I would say because we love God, we want to do the right things. We want to not sin. We want to we want to honor him. We want to love him. We want to worship him. So I I really believe um, to be pure and to stay pure and to live in freedom. We need to grow in our love for him. Ask him for a revelation of that. We need to grow in our relationship with him. Spend time with him. The more in love with God we are, the more we want to follow his commands and not sin. Amen. That is the biggest motivator that there is. So we pursue purity because we love him. And um, God gave me some more motivation too, I think that was helpful. 
in this time of growing and healing and learning. Um, and he said, if impurity is in your heart or in your thoughts or in your actions, it will affect these three things. It will affect your family. So whatever that means, family, spouse, kids, it's going to affect them. God showed me that even for generations to come, that I could, he gave me this picture of putting a stake in the ground and saying that this thing has come this far to my life and I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm saying it's not going to go any further. It's not going to go to my kids. And it's not going to go to my grandkids. And it's not going to go to generations to come. And he spoke that to me and I've made this commitment I'm, that if I want my sons to be pure, then I need to be pure. What a motivation. Whoa, that shook me. That shook me to the core when he told me that. Um, it will affect your faith. It will affect your walk with God. You have these things that start to become idols or they start to become like a master. God says in the Bible that we can't serve two masters. We can't serve this thing and serve him at the same time. It steals from our service to him. And the other thing that I think is part of this series is that it will affect your destiny. It's going to affect you walking into the purpose that God has for you. And there's only one person that can derail the plan of God for your life. It's you. <laughs> Me. I'm the only one that can derail that plan. Whew. Those are good motivations. And I'm just going to go through some keys here um, for staying pure, for being pure, to walking in purity, to passing that purity test. The first key is to guard your eyes. In Matthew 6, 22, um, it says the lamp of the body is the eye. Everyone point at your eye. <laughs> Both of them. If there is, if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Whoa. If, there's, if therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Man. On my journey of getting free and finding purity, God showed me this other scripture. In the first service, I said it was in Proverbs, but it's not. It's in Job, because Job is talking. <laughs> Someone came up and was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> we'll have to make a public apology to the first service. Okay. Job said in 31, Job 31.1, he said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. Job made a covenant with his eyes. And when I read that, God showed me that, I took it to heart. I'm like, I'm going to make this covenant. I'm going to make a covenant with my eyes. Can we, like, speak to our eyes? <laughs> Can we speak to our eyes and tell them what to do? Make a covenant with them? When David was hiding in the caves and he was running, King David, um, he said, he was having this moment, and he's like, why are you downcast, oh my soul? He spoke to himself. If you speak to yourself, you're not crazy. Got it? It's in the Bible. <laughs> but you can make a covenant with your eyes. You say, I will not look. I will not look. I'm going to make a decision to not look. This is the first step. So I began to be really intentional about what my eyes saw. You remember that song for kids? Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Is that how it goes? Yeah. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It works for grown-ups too. Got it? Be careful... What your eyes see. Whether you're walking down the street, watching a movie, 
in the grocery store, start to build that habit of saying, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. <laughs> Whatever we let in our eyes affects our soul. Hmm. And um, I brought Harmony along on the journey <laughs> with me. She's been really gracious with me. And um, I would ask her like, to keep me accountable. If there was temptation or whatever, something that was not good for me to look at, she'd be like, are you doing okay? <laughs> and she just asked me, and it was really a beautiful thing that she would have my back, that she's got my back in this too. So we're on the journey together. I bring her into my intimate struggles, and I think that's how God made it to be in marriage. Key number two. So the first key is guard your eyes. Say guard your eyes. Key number two is make a plan to stay pure. Good, that's good. You can say that, yeah. (laughs) Joseph's plan to walk into the house of the lady who wanted to sleep with him uh, while no one was around was not planning to stay pure, okay? It was not wisdom. And Harmony and I, we've talked a lot about this, and we've come to this conclusion that no one is ever above, like, having an affair. We're not perfect. We're fallible. And we, can, we can't say, oh, that'll never happen to us. That'll never happen to me. That's like, it's kind of pride. And I think that pride can leave us vulnerable to not making a plan, to, you know, not being careful and not being wise. And so we need to, we need to have that plan. We need to ask God, what is it? in my marriage, or even if you're single, what is it that I need to be doing to stay wise and not do what Joseph did? And so there's things that God told us to do. We don't, we're not religious about this, and I don't want you to be religious about it either. I want you to ask God, and, I, and, and you probably a lot of you have already asked God these things. But we like don't ride with someone of the opposite sex, like in the car, by ourselves, like unless it's like a rare occasion or like a family member or something. Um, we don't have, I don't make a habit of like diving deep into intimate conversation with a woman who's not my wife when no one else is around. That's not wisdom. Things like that. (laughs) God wants to speak to us about that stuff and he can show us that stuff. He can show us what to do to stay faithful to each other. Um, okay. So key three, key three is be constructive. Everyone say be constructive. This is an important part, I think, of staying pure. Um, if you want to stay pure, it's more effective to do something good than to try not to do something bad. You can be like, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. But if you actually just put something in your life that's a good habit, that's constructive, then it's much better. It keeps you away much better than just like trying not to sin. It's much more powerful to put things in your life to do that are constructive. Um, if you don't have a hobby, like get a hobby, all right? They're easy to find. Just Google like hobbies <laughs> if you don't have one. I, I, have, I have a couple. I, uh, I love to fish. Um, everyone knows that about me probably. It's kind of fun. I love fixing things. One of my things to do that feels constructive, whenever anything breaks in the house, I'm like, hallelujah. <laughs> I can, I get to pull it apart and try to fix it. I love doing stuff like that. I love keeping busy with my hands. I like upgrading our house, like just little things that aren't expensive. Maybe put in like a new faucet or something. I love doing stuff like that. Um, And I do think it's important that we don't be idle. I think when we get into trouble is when we're idle in our minds or idle with our hands. Um, When David, David 
King David failed the purity test pretty bad. <laughs> you guys probably know the story. But when he failed that test, he was not at war when he was supposed to be at war. When all the men were out fighting, it says in the Bible that it was the season for fighting and he was not out there. He stayed home. He was bored. He was not doing what he was made for. And he started to let his eyes wander across to the woman that was swimming on the rooftop. I think it's a real common problem. Idle mind, idle hands. I think it, it gets us into trouble. I think um, if you're not doing what God, God called you to do, if you're just sitting around, <laughs> if you're bored, you're unfulfilled, that's a really dangerous place to be in. Um, yeah. Yeah, I remember time. <laughs> I remember time in Indonesia. We were on a trip there, a mission trip, and we were. I was leading worship on the beach. I like. We play. God told us to worship on the beach until someone came to get saved. So we waited. We worshipped for like three hours, and I'm like, "Are you ready, God? <laughs> Can you send this guy already?" Because my hands were bleeding, and I was like trying to play my guitar. And finally, this guy came. He got saved. He was Muslim, and he got saved, and he's following Jesus now. It's amazing. And um, in the midst of all that, there were these monkeys that were trying to take my backpack and attack us. And we, on the way there, like riding on the back of this motorbike too fast, and I'm like, I'm going to die. I didn't once have an impure thought. <laughs> not one time. <laughs> on that, not one time <laughs> that day. I'm telling you guys. <laughs> it really helps to stay productive, to do something constructive. I think that's really helpful to, for dating, too, when you're dating and you're like, we want to stay pure, we don't want to do anything physical or whatever before we get married, we want to honor God that way, then do things that are constructive. Don't sit at home watching movies under a blanket together. <laughs> yeah, that's my little idea for dating today. All right, um, let's go to key four. So we've done... Key three, key three was be constructive. Key four is take your thoughts captive. Everyone say, take my thoughts captive. Jesus actually said that we can commit adultery without even acting it out with the other person. In Matthew 5, 28, Jesus said, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's pretty strong language from Jesus. I mean, he's serious. He's not messing around with this stuff. We have to get good at stopping ourselves at the small things, the thoughts. Second um, Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, talks about this. It says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is a key in how to stay pure. You've got to stop it at the thought. You have that thought, you tell that thought. You say, go away. I take authority over you. And then you replace it with the picture of Jesus on the cross. Obedient, like Jesus was obedient. We think about that stuff. So I replace that thought with Jesus died for me. Jesus' face. And you start to replace those things. And you get rid of those thoughts. And you start to have authority over those thoughts. The thoughts that are sinful. And you say no. Does that make sense? 
That's good. Come on. Mm. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to play a song, and I felt like this morning at the end of, this, of each service that we're just supposed to sit before the Lord, just where you are. I'm not going to ask like people to come up for ministry. I just want you to sit where you are. I'm going to play this song, and I want us just to spend some time with the Lord. I think it's okay every now and then as a church to like just wait on the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. Just like convict our hearts. Is there other things, Lord, that I'm doing or that I'm looking at or whatever that's not good? Are there things that um, I need to change? Just ask Him for that conviction this morning. And I will say that sin, it breeds in darkness, but it cannot survive in light. So I think it's really important sometimes to share with someone you trust stuff that you're dealing with. And bring it out into the light. Because the sin can't survive in the light. And just before I play the song, I just want to say, one of the biggest breakthroughs I ever had in this area was during a Sozo prayer time. Um, it's something that we have friends that are part of this church that offer this. And it's, a so, it's called Sozo Freedom Steps. And you can sign up for prayer time to go through some of this stuff. And maybe God will bring things up and you can break things off and whatever. Um, you can go to the, the website, City Lights Up Church, and just go down to prayer and then go all the way to the bottom to the freedom steps. So those are freedom steps. And just sign up. I tell you what, God, <laughs> I've, done a, I've done a few times with Sozo Prayer and it's really been helpful for me. Um, so let's just recap first and then we're going to, I'm just going to play this song. So key number one of getting free and staying pure is guard your eyes. Key number two, make a plan to stay pure. Key number three is be constructive. (laughs) Put your hands to something. Do what God created you to do. Key number four is take your thoughts captive. Hmm, Come on. That's not everything, but that's what I brought today for you. (laughs)